Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here. My name is David Bradstreet. I am not the pastor, Um, but it is good to be here. And I think that's something that I'm supposed to say, right? When you have a guest speaker come up, they're supposed to say, it's good to be here. But let me just tell you about my day yesterday, just a little bit. We had two soccer games. We had four softball games. We were back and forth between two parks. We hosted that softball tournament, and we had a little bit of a stomach virus. So let me say it is good to be here with you and not there anymore. (laughs) Um, We have been doing a sermon series um, entitled Good News. And to be honest with you, there's already been so much good news this morning through song and worship, what, even what Heather said here before the offering, and then, of course, Baptism Sunday is not going to get much better than that. So I feel like, the, like I have no pressure on me up here. I mean, it's already been good, no matter what I do. Um, so Adam said, Pastor Adam said that for four straight weeks, we were going to talk about good news. He was going to talk about good news. And I'm pinch hitting this week. And um, the first, we, we talked about how the gospel means good news. And this good news is for all people. Um, in a world where there is plenty of pain and sickness and sadness and death, right? God has entered right into those places. And he is bringing good news. We've also uh, heard that the false narrative of, if I'm in Christ, I should be winning all the time. That I shouldn't have any problems, bank accounts should be full. And we've heard that that's a false narrative, that sometimes the gospel will lead us right into trouble, right into problems. But the good news, God is right there. He's right there in those situations. And not only will the gospel see us through, but it will take us to a future that is so bright we need sunglasses. That was one of the points from last week's message. If you have not heard the first two message, uh, messages, I encourage you, check them out. You can listen to them on the, uh, the church's website and the, uh, or Apple podcast. So that brings us to today's message, which is the good news of Jesus. Now, the good news of Jesus is a sermon series, a message that will last for all of eternity. Um, hopefully today's message will just feel like the appropriate length of time the good news about Jesus, right? That is what the Bible is all about. And since the Bible is all about Jesus, I think we should start at the beginning. A very good place to start. How much street cred do you get for quoting Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music? Anyone? So for a long time, I had the understanding that um, the Bible is a story of creation, right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything and everyone God created was good, right? There's, there's no death. There's no pain. There's no sickness. Just perfect relationship with God and with people. And then the fall, right? Sin enters the world through Adam and Eve. And now sin brings shame, being exposed, embarrassed, caught, then pain and death and separation from God. 
And for me, that is where the Bible really got going, right? Telling that God found a way through Jesus to rescue his people. Romans 5, 17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his, and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So my timeline, my understanding, simply put, was creation, fall, Jesus. And maybe right now you're thinking, oh, David, bless your heart, you are so, so wrong. <laughs> or maybe... Oh, David, bless your heart, you really got it. See, when I first moved to Kentucky, um, it took me a while to realize that the phrase, bless your heart, can mean wildly different things, right? <laughs> it can mean an actual blessing, something kind towards someone, or it can mean, oh, bless his heart, what an idiot. <laughs> it's good to know that, all right? <laughs> Studying the Bible certainly creates a paradox for me. The more I learn about God and allow his spirit to reveal his word to me, the less I realize I actually know. All right, so we're going to start at the beginning. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. Now, you might be thinking, I'm pretty sure Genesis is the beginning, right? It's the first book in the Bible. It starts within the beginning, and its name literally means origin. And those are pretty solid points. But there is something in Ephesians chapter 1 that really helps us set the stage in seeing how God loves his people, where the good news of Jesus begins, and why I think Ephesians might actually belong before Genesis. So we're going to start in Ephesians, and then we're going to backtrack to the gospel of uh, John and don't worry, I've received prior authorization before doing this radical move. All right, so let's read the first four verses of Ephesians chapter 1. And then we're going to go back and kind of break down each one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. All right, you might have a note in your Bible. I have one here that says that there are three early manuscripts that do not contain the phrase at Ephesus. So in that first verse, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus. Now, there's little doubt that this letter was written to the saints at Ephesus. But the reason why that blank would be in there or that, that phrase would be left out is because this letter was probably meant to be circulated among other cities and other groups of believers at that time. This means that we can safely put our town or your town into that part of the verse. Uh, for example, to the saints who are at Campbellsville, or Greensburg, or Columbia, or Black Nat. Yes, we can even put Black Nat into that area. All right, so if you are in Christ, this letter is to you. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
All right, Paul certainly gets this right and in order, right? Grace before peace. Uh, my friend and author, Ray Hollenbach, writes this. The scripture teaches we are saved by grace. The good news is we can experience salvation here and now, as well as there and then. The kingdom of heaven glides on wings of grace. The kingdom brings righteousness, peace, and joy. And best of all, the gracious Holy Spirit leads us to these three in everyday life. The kingdom is never attained, it is received. That is some good news from Ray Hollenbach. Grace is always first. Peace, joy, forgiveness always come after grace. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That first blessing, blessed be the God and Father, Paul is saying it's a worshipful bless. Let's worship God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for what he has already done. There was some good worship going on this morning. And that's what we're talking about, praising God. In July, my wife Samantha and I got to dedicate our son, Judge, up here. And um, three years before that, I witnessed my first vineyard-style baby dedication. And let me tell you, um, it became an instant hit for me, an instant classic. It's like one of my favorite services of the year. Listening to people come up um, and speak the favor of God over their child and into their child's life is fantastic. And I don't want to brag, but I think that my blessing was pretty much on point because uh, disco, you know, the heart and soul of the band, right? And uh, the aforementioned Ray Hollenbach, they both gave me a solid fist bump on the way back to my seat. So I think the blessing was on point. But let's look at the blessing that God has given to the saints at Ephesus and Spurlington and Bengal and Acton. I'm going to read verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. All right, so two points on this verse. First, has blessed. If you are in Christ, blessings have already been given. This is what Charles Spurgeon says. He's a famous preacher from back in the 1800s, and he writes, Our thanks are due to God for all temporal blessings. They are more than we deserve, but our thanks ought to go to God in thunders of hallelujahs for spiritual blessings. A new heart is better than a new coat. To feed on Christ is better than to have the best earthly food. To be an heir of God is better than being the heir of the greatest nobleman. To have God for our portion is blessed, infinitely more blessed than to own broad acres of land. God hath blessed us with spiritual blessings. These are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. Okay, first a note on temporal blessings. I like a good temporal blessing as much as the next person. And in fact, this past year, 
I started uh, mountain biking. And um, I know that there are several people here that also mountain bike, and I've, I've had the, uh, the opportunity to, to ride with some of them. And um, let me tell you, mountain biking for me is actually kind of spiritual. I can't speak for everyone else, but it's kind of a spiritual thing for me. Um, let me see if I can convince you of this. All right. First, Pastor Adam is the one who got me mountain biking. And he's a pastor, right? So that's, that's spiritual. Second, I don't know if you've ever had your life flash before your eyes, um, but there is a trail um, out at Green River where you're, it's the downhill and you're going down to the lake shore. And, um, and every time I'm going down that part, I'm mostly out of control. And I'm praying like, Jesus, please help me not break my face, right? I mean, it's very, it just gets me right into prayer. But then you get to the bottom and it's kind of a peaceful, it's, there's nature, you see the lake out there, it's calm, spiritual, right? Very spiritual. And then you have, but you have to come back up. You can't stay down. You have to come back up. Kenny's Climb, I think it's called. And you're, I'm, when I'm riding up this, it's very steep. And inevitably, every single time, um, about halfway up, the contents of my stomach is like creeping into my esophagus. And I'm praying, God, deliver me from this bondage. I mean, it's just every time I ride, this is what happens. Now, my wife, she gave me the bike that I have. And it's great. I'm having, I'm having a blast. But it would be sweet to have like blow out the budget bike, you know, carbon frame, full suspension, like everything, the latest gears, like all of that stuff. It would be great. But would it satisfy me? I mean, for a moment, unless I broke my face, then it wouldn't satisfy me. But it would satisfy me for a moment, right? But then something better would come along, something newer, something nicer. But let's listen to what uh, Charles Spurgeon says again. I'm going to turn my page. God's blessings are the rarest, the richest, the most enduring of all blessings. They are priceless in value. They are available here and now and there and then. That's a little Hollenbach-Spurgeon uh, mashup. See, Paul says that these blessings are in the heavenly places. Now, next week, pretty sure... Pastor Adam is going to be back, and he's going to be talking about heavenly places. So I just want to make one point about this. If the spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places, and Christ is in the heavenly places, you can bank on those blessings. They will last. All right, finally, for all of you on the edge of your seat, wanting to hear my explanation for why Ephesians belongs before Genesis Hold on to your coffee cups. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Did you catch it? God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world, before creation, before Genesis. Now, before my wife and I had children... Um, we would pray for our future family. My wife prayed things like, God, would you let your will be done in this family and bless us with children and guide us with your spirit. Now, in my family, um, they're the family I grew up in. There are six, I have six uh, kids in that family and I am the third. And so my prayers were a little more direct. They're just like, help me, God. Help me have a family. <laughs>
And then, after we were pregnant, we would pray for that baby. And I did not know what my children would be like while my wife was pregnant. I mean, she knew, um, she had that connection, the, the, uh, the taps, the, the pats, the kicks, the back pain, the hip pain, all the precious things. She had all that, but she didn't know exactly what our children would be like or what that child would be like. I mean, my two oldest daughters, uh, my two oldest kids, my two daughters, Adeline and Greta, um, if you've spent any time around them, you know that they are very precious and they are wildly different people. Um, we could have had no idea what they would be like. And as my children grow, um, I love them and I cherish them for who they are. The more I get to know them, the more they grow, the more I love them. But God is on an entirely different level. See, God has chosen you in Jesus long before you have ever done anything or been anything for God. God loves you not because of who you are, but because of who he is. God is love. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. So, so far, I hope what you're hearing in this message is that God knows you. He loves you, and he's made a way for you to be called a son or a daughter with every spiritual blessing. We've also seen that grace and peace come from Jesus, that the spiritual blessings are in Jesus, and those chosen before the foundation of the world, right? The saints at Ephesus, Lebanon, Elkhorn, they were all chosen in Jesus, All right, so now we're going to make this reckless jump, and we're going to go to John chapter 14. And we're going to look at some good news of Jesus. All right, chapter 14. We're going to read the first uh, six verses here. It says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, when I read the words of Jesus, Oftentimes I'm struck with like this level of depth and complexity and it just goes over my head. I mean, I would be the disciple saying, uh, Jesus, what does that parable mean? You know, or I would be Thomas. In this, in this passage, I would be Thomas. Uh, we don't know where you're going, Lord, and we don't know how to get there. I didn't, I didn't get it. I missed it. But Jesus is patient, thankfully, and his spirit will reveal the good news of him little by little. So here is the first bit of good news. Jesus is peace in troubled times. All right, in the passage of Scripture right before this, in chapter 13, Jesus has been talking with his disciples about one of them, Judas Iscariot, um, betraying him, betraying Jesus. In fact, the, ver- the last verse in uh, chapter 13, Peter, or Jesus tells Peter that you're going to deny me three times. Right? This is after Peter saying, I'll go to, I'll go to the death for you. Now, 
I don't know if you guys have had, some, I'm sure you've had someone betray your trust or betray you in the past in your life. I certainly have had that happen to me. And my response to that, uh, my natural response to that is not what Jesus does, right? He just gets done telling his disciples, you're going to betray and or deny me. And what does he say to them? Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. So here is the good news of Jesus. He is not bringing you a troubled heart. You may have trouble. It could totally be your fault. Maybe you've made some really bad decisions and now you're dealing with those consequences. Or maybe somebody else has just wronged you. They have done something and you are dealing with those effects. Maybe you are living out the gospel and you are experiencing trouble. But Jesus is not bringing you a troubled heart. No, Jesus brings you peace in times of trouble. Forgiveness when you are the one that's blown it and hope, right? Even if we are totally to blame, Jesus will forgive and bring peace. All right, our second point here, Jesus is preparing a place. I'm just gonna read verse two again. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, David Guzik is a, a pastor and Bible commentator, and um, he says, love prepares a welcome. I really like that. Think of expectant parents um, preparing the nursery, right? Painting, picking out the colors, maybe some artwork for the walls, putting together the crib, that your child will probably end up sleeping in your own bed anyway, just my experience. Um, putting together the changing table, right? Um, the parents are doing that, and that comes from a place of love. Or think about grandparents, getting the, the extra bedroom ready, cleaning it, um, stocking the fridge, getting ready for that, the visit from the grandkids, right? Preparing a place. Even what you do here, maybe you work and volunteer in the kids' wing, how you prepare for your your time with them, nursery, uh, in the first to fifth grade room, right? How you do that, that shows the love of Jesus. We're also having a lot of our community groups getting ready to get started. How you prepare to welcome people into your home, how you prepare to lead people, again, showing the love of Jesus. But how did Jesus prepare a place? Remember what's happening in this passage of, this passage of Scripture. What is he telling his disciples? He's saying, one of you is going to betray me, right? He's getting ready to die. This is the good news. That while the closest people to Jesus were denying him and betraying him, he was offering himself as the savior of the world. And finally, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse six, that's what it says. I'm gonna read it to you again. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All right, Jesus doesn't say, I will show you a way or promise to teach us a truth or promise to give us the secrets of life. No, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Are you lost in life? I mean, we would not project that on the outside, but on the inside, do you feel lost? 
Are you wandering about? Jesus is the way. Are you confused? Don't know how to process things in this world? Jesus is the truth. Are you dead inside? Feeling like you can't go on? No point. Hopeless. Jesus is the life. Honestly, that kind of sounds like my prayer life sometimes. Uh, Maybe a little bit more than I'd like to admit. I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm dying. Um, Can anyone relate to prayers like that from time to time in your life? I mean, you know, it's usually, usually I struggle to pray because I unload a litany of concerns and anxieties and worries on God and then top it off with a nice amen and hit the road. I mean, First uh, Peter 5, 7 says, give all your cares to the Lord because he cares for you. And it's really easy for me to focus solely on the first part of that, giving my cares to God. I can do that. The thing is, this verse is actually the second half of a sentence. It's the second half of a full thought. The first part of this is the Apostle Peter saying, we should first humble ourselves before God because he will lift us up at the right time. So, does anybody ever meditate? Not like crisscross, home, not that. I'm talking like, do you ever just go someplace quiet and let a promise of God just wash over you again and again? I highly recommend it. I wanted to give you guys uh, three meditations um, to let the Spirit speak these to your soul this week. So the first one, before the foundations of the world, God chose me in Jesus. Jesus, you have prepared a place for me. And Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You know, sometimes following Jesus can feel like blazing a trail. And that's because Jesus is not very mainstream. But the truth is, when we follow Jesus, we don't have to blaze a trail. Jesus is the way. He's already, he's already moving. What we need to be asking is, Jesus, where are you going? And how do I go with you? All right, we can stand and ministry team, you guys can come forward. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.